everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us again today uh, here on the Cosmic Car Wash. My name is Paul Daly. With me, my very good friend, Rick. Hello, everyone. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, an interesting week since uh, I was last here. I, you know, about two hours after uh, <laughs> our last recording, got hit by the train, uh, the, uh, the train that is COVID <clears throat> and have been kind of down and out. So if you hear me kind of scratchy or clear in my throat i'm on the tail end of uh, recovering from that and yeah so uh it's been a welcome good week. I'm glad you're feeling better yeah it's it's uh, <clears throat> i'm glad that i'm back and, and ready for this and um went and watched the uh chosen season three uh, how was that finale in theaters last night it was amazing absolutely amazing um I mean, I'm, I know this isn't a chosen, you know, review podcast or anything, but can't uh, recommend highly enough. If you haven't seen the chosen, go watch it. Seasons one and two for me, this is how I have perceived them as, uh, they were uh, revelatory. They were really eye opening. They just caused a lot of awe and wonder. And I feel like season three has been, more deep. Jesus has, uh, they've focused a lot more on Jesus's teaching and uh, yeah. they have gotten to see a lot of miracles, you know, and stories from the Bible that we all have grown up with and know and love, but uh, just deep and rich. And there are episodes that I want to go back and watch again. And uh, But just continuing to see the real Jesus, like, yeah, this is the Jesus that I know, the Jesus that laughs and cares okay. and and, you know, has inside secrets and, you know, that he shares with his friends and, you know, gets on to his disciples, you know, when they kind of get out of line. There was a, a scene in uh, one of the episodes or one of the there was a scene last night from episode seven and eight of season three where uh, James and John got up to, like, go confront the crowd. And Jesus is like, they don't need thunder right now. <laughs> um, so it was it was really just so superbly <laughs> I know it is. It is absolutely superb. It is beautiful. It's actual beautiful interpretation. And I don't know how anyone could <clears throat> turn their nose up at it and get religious. What's ironic, as I was telling Janet, is that there's a lot of uh, YouTube and social media keyboard cowboys and critics out there that, you know, bash it. And what is ironic is they they look and act like the very Pharisees portrayed in the program. <clears throat> the only thing they're missing is the garb, but it's just the same. Right. And it's kind of sad that yeah, I tell you that, you know, Phariseeism is still alive and well. It's <laughs> so, alive and well. It crosses yeah, cultures and time. And <clears throat> yeah, we kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. So the nearest theater we could see it is at least an hour and a half either direction, north or south. So we're waiting for uh, it to air on television off of the app. So excited. Yeah. Really, am. it's a great program. Very cool. <laughs> well, so some other big influences on our lives, particularly in the last couple of years, have been um, Tim Mackey and John Collins over at the Bible Project. We have referenced the, the work that they do out of Portland, Oregon, many yeah. times uh, in the last year of our own podcast. But... Uh, the title of today's episode, To Shema or Not to Shema, comes from some stuff that we have been learning uh, right. through the Bible Project. Um, 
really in two parts. So they produce a ton of videos and there's all these resources. They're all available for free through their website. They have an app. Um, but a couple of the videos, well, they do uh, overview videos for each of the books of the Bible and in our daily devotions through the Version Bible app. Uh, we recently finished uh, one about reading Revelation wisely, and it talks about uh, apocalyptic literature throughout the Bible and what it is and what it isn't. And uh, I'm sure we can dive into a little bit of that here. But Revelation is that it's that book that everybody has an opinion, and most of them try to scare us into the kingdom. Um, I grew up definitely afraid of all of the really crazy imagery that we see from the book of Revelation. And I grew up believing that, you know, I was <clears throat> going to have to survive some kind of apocalypse, apocalyptic event where, you know, I don't know, the, you know, half of uh, or the, the people that were in, you know, Jesus's inner circle got taken off the earth and the rest of us had to just kind of survive. And yeah. Yeah, it, uh, I, I had the same, the same upbringing, and it, uh, yeah, it's um, terrifying. I don't. I think it's very counterproductive. It's very. It's rooted in extreme fear and uh, manip manipulative coercion. It's you coerce people into the kingdom, and um, once you start to get an understanding. You know, instead of uh, gripping the uh, everything that comes across the headlines, the clotheslines, and the waistlines, and and start getting into the actual <clears throat> historical context, content, and language, it uh, it's liberating and encouraging and full of hope, and there's no fear. And uh, I think that well, you know, we were talking the other day through our devotion, and one of the last episodes of that. Uh, uh, Bible project uh, devotion that we were doing, I thought this should be in every single new believer class across the country, around the world. If you're a new believer, 100%. you have to see this to, to dispel the myth, the mystery, <clears throat> and the terror, you yes. know, from the book of Revelation. So um, let's dive into to Shema or not to Shema. And uh, yes. why, don't you, why don't you take it? Yeah, so one of the, the scariest things that we have read in the book of Revelation that's been misinterpreted is the mark of the beast. You know, I've been, we've been told that it's, you know, like a microchip they're going to put in our hand or our forehead. And, you know, we're not going to be able to buy or sell food. So we got to come up with alternate, you know, food sources and things like that. But uh, the, what Tim Mackey uh, and John Collins clearly explain is that John was not like the book of Revelation is written for us, but it wasn't written to us in right. 20th and 21st century America or the world. He was writing to first century Christian churches scattered around the Mediterranean uh, area. I think a lot of them were in Turkey and they seven. were very clearly seven, understood. seven churches. Yeah. To be exact. To be exact. So they would have very clearly understood the imagery that he was using. So Revelation right. chapter 13 Verse 16, he says, he, speaking of the beast, required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast 
or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one who was understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so Hollywood has made millions of dollars off of the beast and the Antichrist and 666 and all of that. But uh, what I love, I love the way that uh, they, uh, the Bible Project folks, uh, just dispel all of that, that um, John was writing a riddle because his message was um, written to first century Jews who were under persecution from the Roman government for their allegiance to Jesus. And John's overarching message was Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Right. So what he explained was that the number 666, if you take the words Nero, Caesar, and beast, they all add up to in, uh, in the Hebrew language, in the Greek language, the number 666. So he was kind of, it's kind of a word picture um, that he was giving them. And further to our, the title of our podcast today, he said that mark on your, your right hand or on your forehead is the anti-Shema. Right. So I think from there, then let's dive into what the Shema is, because you can't know what the anti-Shema is until you know what the Shema is. Right. So <clears throat> if you want to yeah, talk to that, Rick, out of uh, the book sure. of Deuteronomy. Actually, the Shema means to hear. To hear. In Hebrew, it means to hear. And uh, the Shema prayer is one of the most famous prayers in the Bible. It was and still remains a, to be a daily prayer. For It was for ancient Israelites and is still recited by Jewish people today. And it is, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And it's for you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That was the Shema. That's what they say every single day when they got out of bed before their feet hit the floor. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Hallelujah. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the Shema. So, and you're right. You touched on that they used to put it on their hand or on their foreheads. And if you look at some of the renderings of the actual um wardrobe of the Pharisees and the priests that were in the priesthood, they had the flactories, these yes. little boxes with the headband. And in those boxes were probably the Shema. I don't know exactly what was in there, but I would imagine it was the Shema. Yeah, like and I think it also contained other scriptures and prayers, but yeah. they wore them on their forehead and on their hands. So when when John is writing this, it is a circular letter. It's going to seven churches that, you know, and it's not a stranger's letter. There's only one. He wrote one on the island of Patmos, and he sent it to seven churches that he had visited, every single one of them. And they knew him, and he knew them. I mean, he knew, you know, there were people he knew, and they knew him. So to get a letter from the Apostle John was exciting. And uh, you're right. It was very cryptic. Uh, because of that, you know, uh, of the persecution that was happening, they were under such a, a uh, oppressive government. <clears throat> and um, it, it basically, you know, it's telling them what, you know, it's, it's as cryptic as it is for us in today's, you know, language and nomenclature. To them, it was very clear. There was no um, uh, mystery to them. They... Um, 
he was basically saying that the Shema is something that is um, it's written on your heart before it's ever written on your forehead and your hand. Yes, it's written on your heart. It's written in your spirit. It's written in your soul. So um, it, it, you know, and you're right. I mean, there's just been millions and billions of dollars made on this whole thing. And, and uh, I don't personally, I don't think the mark of the beast is what everybody thinks it is. I think it's an yeah. attitude. I think it's a posture and an attitude because, you know, I pulled up a scripture in uh, first John. Um, let me find it because uh, you know, John starts talking about the antichrist <clears throat> and I was watching a little video this morning in my uh, devotion time and my, my, uh, Jim torture time and a guy was on there and he's talking about the mark and the digital, you know, code or the, or the tattoo and that, you know, I mean, it's, it's not going to happen until after the rapture. So we'll, we'll be raptured out before the actual issue this. And I was thinking, well, if the church is raptured, why would they need to issue this? You see what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, I, anyway, it just, I think he was uh, should have been muted. Is what I think. I don't think that that is how it's going to be because John clearly says that, and and again, his readers would have understood that it's not a specific person; it's an ideal. Right. What did he say? He said that uh, John was not saying Nero was the only fulfillment of his vision. Nero was just a recent example of the ancient pattern set up by Daniel. Right. And uh, nations become beasts. They set up their own kingdoms, um, King Babylon, for example, and they exalt mm -hmm. their economy and their control, and then they demand allegiance. Exactly. And it's, that's what Babylon did. <clears throat> Babylon didn't build the tower to reach God. They built the tower to become God. <clears throat> and uh, that's when Daniel was preaching the abomination and all those things. He was he was under the uh, uh, Babylon, right. and then it was Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Every I mean, come on, you could put Nazi Germany in that same category. Were everybody in Germany were they Nazis? Were they evil? No, it's no. the leadership and and for what they did. But anyway. Um, I digress. First uh, John two, seventeen, nineteen, and everybody keeps waiting for you know well, the Antichrist. Who's the Antichrist? I mean, the, from generation to generation, they, you know, it's been everyone from, um, you know, uh, what uh, Hitler to you know John Elway. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> when I was when I was still going to church in Virginia, when I was in the military, there was a small group of uh outliers at this church that i was part of at the time they were convinced to a man that bill clinton was the antichrist convinced so yeah wow I think that's kind of funny i think i think the antichrist is a spirit because john says dear children and again he's writing first century okay um he was a a disciple of christ walked with him talked with him heard his words, did miracles, watched him crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven. So he was right there. He was on the cutting edge. 
and he <clears throat> he says, "Dear children, this is the last hour. This is over two thousand years ago, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come." So again, I don't think it's a specific individual. Will there will there be zeitgeists and tyrants and and evil? Absolutely, but it is a spirit, and it is. It is, you're right, it is the anti-Shema. It is writing and pledging your allegiance <clears throat> to any kingdom outside of the kingdom of God. It is Babylon, period. Yeah. It's Babylon, it's Persia, it's, it's it, you know, name it, and they all have their, they all have a, you know, certain characteristics of Antichrist. And, yeah. um, you know, if... Again, if you think about if John said this is the last hour, my goodness, where are we at in the last minute? <laughs> yeah. You know, the last yeah. few seconds. Right. So and and you're you know, we can look back and see a whole lot of antichrists that have come. And even now we live in such a uh a cocoon, you know, as unsettling as some of our you know the the our culture has some of the things that our culture has embraced and just the internal fighting and struggles that uh, that we are deal with and see every single day we still have a lot of comforts creature comforts and um, yeah. you know uh, luxuries that a lot of people don't and I said that to say this there are people that are martyred on this planet every single day for the name of Jesus. Right. You know, they're persecuted, they're, they're uh, hunted and they're murdered because of the name of Jesus. And, and we, <clears throat> we don't experience that. That's the antichrist. That's the spirit right. of antichrist. So, um, I, I think the best news to come from this is that there's a king that stands opposed to the Antichrist, and it's the slain lamb, it's Jesus. Yes. His kingdom. Um, you know, John's letter was, you're right, it was written, it wasn't written to us, but it's written for us. And uh, it was a stark choice for the seven churches. And it simply boils down to this, Paul, you follow the lamb or you follow the beast. Right, right. And Where is your loyalty? Right. You don't need a mark on your forehead or your hand. But, you know, you'll, it, your heart will be marked long before you ever get a tattoo or a digital implant. Right. So. Yeah. You know, for me, I, it's helpful. I, if we could kind of dive into um, the, the like five key words that are part of the Shema, because if, if scripture is saying here, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. I love the way that uh, the Bible Project uh, broke that down so that we understand what the word here means, uh, what the word Lord means, uh, and then love, heart, soul, and strength. Like, what do those all embody so that I know what's being asked of me? Hmm. And then if we know the truth, then we're more easily able to detect the the lie you know if we know the christ then we can more easily identify the antichrist system you know and if we are aware and familiar with eden we recognize when something mm -hmm. comes to compete with eden 
in our lives. You know, that's really good. You know what that reminds me of, Paul? I think you're the one that told me that story of, um, was it your grandfather who was in the war? My grandfather, yeah. He yeah, was on a cruiser a, in that, World War II and spent part of his time up in the crow's nest with uh, just a large pair of binoculars scanning the horizon for enemy aircraft. He was stationed in the South Pacific, so they were looking for Japanese aircraft. And he said that in his training for that job, they were never shown a picture of enemy aircraft. But they had to be intimately familiar with all the American aircraft. They had to know uh, the the aircraft designation, the crew that were on board, the payload, the range, et cetera. And the theory behind that was as they're scanning, if they see something they don't recognize, it gets shot down. Mm. And so how I apply that to, you know, to my life as a believer is – um, then maybe there's some benefit to going out and studying other religions and all the lies that are perpetrated out there. But the better way to do it is just to know the truth right. so well that when something comes along to challenge it, you're like, nope, I don't, I don't recognize that. Jesus actually said that, that uh, I am the true shepherd and the, my, tr- my sheep know my voice. They will not follow the voice of another. So. Yeah, that I think that is the best advice you can give anybody is know know your Bible. Yeah. You know, and and unfortunately I feel like it is um trying to be relegated to the, you know, the dusty archives of antiquity. Um it's just as an old book, but it's not. It, I mean it lives and breathes and the more you read it and the more you get into it, the more alive it becomes. And you're right. Yes. I think that is an incredible approach. The better we know that, the easier and the quicker we will recognize things that are not. It's funny as I I was reading an article the other day about um just for you know, I don't know why it just caught my attention, but it was about counterfeiters and people that look for counterfeit and they did the same thing your grandfather did. They don't study okay. counterfeit money. They study money, legit money. Oh, everything about it. So that anything outside of that bill, they, they recognize immediately and, and then they flag it. Same thing. And I think that's great advice. That is just excellent advice. You know? Yeah. Don't, yeah. You know, and I think the more the more we spend time getting to know the God of Eden and the more time we spend focusing on the kingdom of God, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. If the more time we spend getting to know the kingdom of God, it's just going to make us sweeter, more patient, more kind, more gentle, more humble, more loving versus spending all our time just pouring over the lies. I mean, my own life is is an example of that. Prior to um, having the the wool pulled off of my eyes and seeing the great renewal, my head was in the news every day. I was reading about this new thing that outraged me and how they're trying to come and take my rights and take my guns, and they want to you know impose all these different kinds of education on our children. And I just got more and more and more angry. But man, the last two and a half years that I have just thrown myself into getting to know the kingdom of God, I feel it on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. I don't approach life the way the way I used to. I I just I'm more peaceful and less right. unsettled. And I'm you know it's not perfect. I'm not. I've got a long right. way yet to go. But man, I feel the effect of Eden on my life. Oh, I, amen. 
Absolutely. I agree with every concur with everything you just said. Same exact thing. Since you're the one that shared it with me I, and you know, we've been friends for like 25 years. So right. um, it's because we had a lot of um, things in common, common interests. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, you're right. It was, um, it was the Shema to hear. We heard the Shema, yeah. you know, uh, and um that's interesting. I mean, if we can go a little bit further into that, if you'd like the, uh, yeah, it's funny. So let's, let's, let's do that. I mean, the word here, the word Shema <clears throat> means to pay attention, to focus on, but not just to, to take it in, but to respond to what you hear. Mm. And I think it's interesting that the Hebrews do not have, or didn't have a, a separate word for obey. Hear and obey were one word to them. Wow. So just kind of opens your mind like when when God gave Israel this prayer, his intention was you'll be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Mm. Um, so here, O Israel, the Lord, that word Lord is a, a yeah, which means I will be. But since it was would have been weird for Moses to go to Israel uh, in Egypt and say, you know, I will be has sent me. Um, because only God can say, I will be, because he is all he is the only one that's God. So God gave Moses his name, Yahweh. He will be. And then that's the, the Hebrew substituted that with Adonai. And there's a whole history of language and how that has changed into, you know, Jehovah and everything. But right. Yeah. God's name, Yahweh, the I am, the I will be. Uh, the word love is Ahava. It's the affection and care that one has for another or loyalty. Uh, it's unearned, but freely given and unending. Uh, it's not a duty, but a genuine affection. That's also an action. We return Ahava to God because of his Ahava for us. And we show through the fear of God. Uh, it's shown through the fear of God. We walk in his ways. We serve him and we keep his commands. So love is an action, you know, that Ahava. Um, the word heart, you know, you'll love the Lord with all your heart is the word lavav. Um, and the, the Hebrews didn't have a concept of the brain. You know, this is four, maybe 5,000 years ago when this was, was given. They didn't have a concept for the brain. All their activity uh, of their lives took place in their heart, thinking, feeling, making sense of things, responding mm -hmm. to life situations. Um, they make choices based on desires. And the heart was the center of your being. So uh, when we're saying we love the Lord with all our, our heart, it's the whole way that I perceive and respond to life is God's. Um, the word soul, so love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, that word soul is nefesh. Um, it actually refers to the throat, uh, the whole person, because everything that sustains our lives or sustains our bodies comes through our throat. Um, we are a living, breathing, physical being, though we devote our whole physical being to God. So it's not just who we are on the inside, but we devote our bodies as well. We love the Lord our God with our bodies. Uh, and then finally, strength. I love this. Um, this is probably my favorite word out of all of them is the Hebrew word me'od. Uh, it means very or much. And the word me'od was used to augment the meaning of other words in Hebrew. So if you were very happy, you were me'od happy, 
mm. or if you were really sad, wow. you were That's interesting. sad. So, <laughs> and saying it twice amplifies the effect. So, me'od, me'od, like incredibly angry. Um, but it means like our muchness, our the the force of our being, um, devoting every part of me to God. And actually, the Greek equivalent to me'od. Want to guess what it is? Dunamis. Oh. Yeah. So how about that for yeah. Um Dunamis, which is the dynamic dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it also means wealth, uh, mind, and power. So yeah, that's just you know what so when they think of the of it just really rounds it out for me. Like I can say love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, but when you understand the depth of the Hebrew language and what those words meant. Yeah, we really see that we are called to give every single part of us inside and out the way we respond to life, the way we think about things, our whole, the totality of our being wow. is devoted to loving God. Preach that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That, pretty awesome. Hey, you know, it's, yeah, that's really cool. That's, <clears throat> that's like almost a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, you could dive into each one of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, though, that here, O Israel, and then Jesus comes along, however many thousands of years later, and says, whoever hears my words and yes. puts them into practice is like one who builds his house on solid rock. Yeah. He, he who shamas, he who shamas my word. You know, it's really yeah. interesting how it's all woven together. I am convinced of that. For the yep. longest time, it, <clears throat> you know, so much of it was fragmented and, you know, part and parcel and bits and pieces and, uh, you know, strings and things and broken kings from one page to the other. And, and, and since, you know, John and Blaine Eldridge and their podcast, Our Ambivalence Towards the Return of Christ, it was such an eye-opener. And, you know, the click... Yeah can't be unclicked and that's when i the tr i truly began to see that golden thread of eden woven from page one to the last page of revelation yes and uh and just things like that you begin to hear just that, that is so cool about the dunamis power because that i can't i don't know the street but i know the address it's in the community of bible is when uh you said uh that the spirit will come on you with power. That word actually translates into dunamis, dunamis, dunamis yeah. power, which the word dynamite comes from. Right. So very cool. I just love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it really, uh, at the same time that it draws us back to God, it also conveys an incredible amount of dignity onto humanity. Um, and this could become a whole other podcast, but one of the sad things I think that has happened um, in the mechanized industrial, you know, like Western religion is that people have become commodities. Mm. Um, and we have become, um, voting blocks and consumer focus groups. And, you know, we're, we're parceled and pieced up and, you know, categorized and God conveys an incredible amount of dignity on us that he would correspond the dunamis and us with his own dunamis. Like his power 
is in us. It's resident in us. And Paul makes that in crystal clear through his writings is that the hope of glory is Christ in us, that God has taken up residence in us. And so sayings like, oh, I'm only human, you know, which means, well, I'm doing the best I can, but it's not very much because I'm only human. Like right. that's completely the opposite of, of what God ever intended. Like he commissioned us in the first, you know, couple chapters of Genesis to rule creation with him. And that's, that's the effect of Eden as he has, you know, continued to show us little pieces and parts of it, you know, throughout history as he's bringing us back to that place where we love the Lord, our God, with all of our muchness, all of our, all of our dunamis. And we get that in, you know, it's just like this ongoing reciprocal relationship where, you know, we and God are tied up all together and are one. Absolutely. It's, it's beautiful. I know. I, you know what? I know. And you're right. People say that a lot. Well, I'm only human. And, you know, when you start talking about Jesus, their first response is, well, he was Jesus. He was human. Right. And you just really kind of step outside of the box. And uh, if we're created in God's image, does he look human? Um, and Jesus was God. He was the yeah. exact repre- representation of his being. Yeah. And he lived as a human, walked amongst us as a human, functioned by faith as a human, crucified yeah. as a human, buried like a human, rose as a human, and then ascended as a human. And I still believe he is sitting at the right hand of our father as a human. Uh, 100%. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the Shema, I, just some notes I jotted, not to steer or change the subject. No, this is um, good. The Shema is an action, getting back to that prayer, that uh, devotes all our thoughts and actions to the one true God. It is a, it's a, um, it's almost like a daily affirmation or a declaration to devote ourselves everything about us, like you said, our, our muchness, our depth, every fiber of our being. And that gets tossed around a lot. You know, right. that saying, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, I hate those guys with every fiber of my being, you know, um, cowboy fans are not real happy, um, uh, the last few weeks. And, um, <clears throat> there's some of the fiber of their beings has been frazzled and Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm a football fan. So, um, I, I get it. I understand that heartbreak when you when you devote uh, so much time and energy, and um, uh, even you know money for all your um, fanfare and regalia, <clears throat> um, and it's over in a heartbeat. So, not to again, I'm, I get off track. My mind goes a thousand different directions sometimes, um, but that, that that devotion, that shema. And uh, it, it's acceptable across the board, um, it, but you're right. It's the anti-Shema. You know, it's like um, it's like being just wildly in love with Jesus in in a quiet church. You know? I mean, you're gonna get asked to leave. Um, I used to love what Steve Gray would say. You know, um, 
people get upset if you if you get excited about Jesus, but if you can you stand in the end zone uh, with your shirt off and a helmet on your or a watermelon rind on your head in the middle of uh, December and it's ten degrees out and you got a, a letter written on your bare chest, that's acceptable. Well, that's perfectly normal. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's perfectly normal. But you get excited about Jesus, they're crazy. They're just crazy. Um, you know. And then I think of David and how, gosh, he oh. danced with all his might, with all his strength. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder at times is, um, I was thinking, you know, as we were looking at this and, and jotting some notes, and I thought of the scripture um, where Jesus says, um, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. And then he goes on again in the same context, same breath, same dissertation. Um, talks about, you know, two will be in the field. One is taken and the other is left. And, that it, you know, people have used that now for since the 1800s, uh, early 1800s, um, to say that that's the rapture. But again, if you're looking at that in context, is it really? Because... They were taken in the flood. And Jesus is comparing that generation to the days of Noah. Uh, to be left sounds like it, you want to be you want to be left, not taken. <laughs> so, the one that's left, right. Right. So yeah. um, I think that um, the Shema is um, not to, uh, you know, just kind of grab my... Um, my thoughts is that it is something it it's it is not tied to this exact prayer right it can be but again you know as well as i do so many things can become redundant and rote yep. just you know uh, like a scratch and a line off a post-it note or a list of to-dos i i love that feeling if i have a list of to-dos i love that <laughs> ask janet <laughs> oh just to dread it. Yeah. There's just something about that. And, uh, that I pray that in the morning sometimes that's part of my Shema is that God, I never want this to become that. I want to have a conversation. And I read something, I think it was a uh, Dallas Willard, or maybe you sent it to me. I can't, I get bombarded sometimes about the, the overall expression throughout the Bible is not one of, um, of, uh, this dry, um, emotionless uh, routine, you know, of of demand. It is one of family. It's one yeah. of celebration. It is one of joy. I wish I yeah. had saved it, but the way he said it, I was going to send it to you, and I saw something shiny and completely <laughs> forgot. But it was beautiful. It was family. It was joy. Yeah. It was life. You know, and if he is the author and perfecter of our faith, if he is the author of all life, uh, you're right. I mean, for the longest time, I, I had this kind of secret um, uh, desire to, and I told a few people, and I've shared it with Jan, and I've shared it with you. I would love to hear God laugh. I would love to hear Jesus throw his head back and just belly laugh to be in that moment. You know, and that's why I love the chosen so much because it makes him real. It makes him human. Right. It makes him alive. And that's why I can't yep. understand why people get some people 
get so upset about it. It's just like, seriously, get a grip. So I heard one guy a week or so ago, I listened just for a few minutes, as long as I could stand it. And I thought I would hate to go to your church. I mean, because, you know, this is unacceptable. It's just unacceptable behavior. What's it like there? What's it like where you go? Uh, I mean, (laughs) all I can imagine was the, uh, the, uh, the Wizard of Oz and uh, the, The, you know, Wicked Witches uh, Guards. Yeah, the minions, the Wicked Witches, minions and guards. Oh, hey, oh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's one of their hymns. So anyway, I'm just kind of rambling, friend. So maybe I should pass. Yeah, well, I think the, I think the the takeaway for me from this is um, the anti Shema, the demand of Babylon that we give it mm. our adherent, our our devotion and our strength and our muchness. Um, it uses us. It abuses us. People are commodities. We are useful, or we're we're wanted as long as we're useful, and then we're discarded. Um, and it's just cold and dead and lifeless. And that's what John was writing to say is that kingdom is sinking. But the kingdom mm-hmm. of God, the the Shema that we are called to in God's kingdom, um, actually leads to more and more life. We are loved for who we are. We're invited to become who we were created to be in loving God. So it's it's this stark contrast between two kingdoms and John makes it very clear through the book of revelation, you know, and I do like the, the saying that is popular in Christianity is like, you know, the, the, the story's already written and in the end we win, you know, but, uh, we is anybody that devotes themselves to love the Lord, their God with all their heart, soul, and strength to give God everything that we have because, uh, to quote Blaine Eldridge from the podcast that we love so much, we know what God is all about. He's all about giving us everything instead of nothing. Hmm. And um, yeah, this this we have a choice. You know, we we did a, our podcast a few weeks ago of Babylon or Eden. We have a choice right now where we devote our affection, where we devote our attention, where we devote our resources. Are we going to throw it into you know, this world system, this Babylon system that doesn't care about us. And, you know, like the Jesus told the parable of uh, the two sons, you know, the one son went out and, you know, he was living high on the hog until his resources run out. And then his friends who he thought were his friends left him high and dry. And he found himself, you know, craving the food that the pigs ate. But he said, if I go back to my father's house, there's way more than enough, you know, and he mm-hmm. went back to be a servant because he didn't really know his father. But what did his father do? His father threw him this lavish party and celebrated over him and rejoiced over him. And, you know, that that repentance and that coming home was all that the father wanted. Just come back. Just come back right. to me. And everything's going to be yeah. OK. You know, that's yeah. the Shema. Yes. Yeah, the story of the prodigal son was never about the prodigal son. It's always yeah. been about the father. Yeah. You know, as we're talking about this and, and thinking, just, uh, not to keep rambling on, but the the forehead and the hand, there's some uh, application here. And I think there's a little caution, cautionary approach is that our mind 
is, you know, that's where everything is fueled from our imagination, the thing that drive us, the things that we dwell on, worry about, think about, imagine, fantasize. Um, you know, it all starts here. And then our hands are what we put into our work and the things we hold on to, the things we won't let go, the things that we, we you know, whether they're, it's a closed fist or, or you see what I'm saying? There's an application. It's more than just that. Um it's it's not it's more than just symbolic there's an there's a depth to that um and saying that i think that some people you know when it comes to the mark um it's easy again to sit in you know an air conditioner a heated home uh, with the satellite on and think i'll never do that but if we're already it depends on your citizenship where are your allegiances? Where's your citizenship at? If it's in the kingdom and you are devoted, hero Israel, my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, his name is written in my work. The things I do with my hands, his name is written in my mind where I think, where, yes. where uh, you know, everything that I do and imagine and uh, it's here, it's already here. And my hands prove that by what I do then you'll never take that mark. It'll never, it'll never make it to your heart. But again, if you're living that double life where you were, you're, you know, all in for Babylon or Rome, Persia, or, you know, just name that kingdom, that socioeconomic tyranny uh, that demands your complete and total allegiance. I, I don't think it's going to be as easy because I think you've already made your decision again. Yeah. If it ever comes to something like that, which I don't necessarily know that it will, um, yeah. it, you know, but there's a lot of nefarious players in the world today. That's for sure. Um, right. You see what I'm saying? Our, our citizenship is determined now before yeah. we ever uh, get the idea or the ID identification card or the passport. Our citizenship is decided now. It's decided yeah. right now. And, and that is the Shema that we, you know, we have to grab a hold of now. Yeah. Um, so, and to me, it's easier than people think it is because God is not mad at you. He's not, not angry. He yeah. poured out his wrath at the cross on himself, yep. on, on evil and corruption. And he is coming to free his world this world of corruption yeah and his in his he is all consuming fire his glory will cover the earth and yeah. all of those things that have tormented those kingdoms um that have demanded allegiance and taken the lives and sh- and shed blood and innocence will no longer exist yeah that's right um, this is good all right well i think that's a good place to wrap it um, yeah, you know we always say we're not scholars or theologians, but uh, we did dive into the revelation pool, so maybe uh, <laughs> I don't know. We're we're wading into deep waters here, but I think that uh, this is a, a well-rounded biblical view of you know what's typically considered one of the scarier parts of Revelation, and, and you're absolutely right. The answer is you know to devote ourselves to God. So. Um, Thank you for joining us. Yeah, if if, uh, if you liked what you heard, you know, click the like button. Yes. Um, we would love to have more people subscribe. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we prayed just before this, it's not about Rick or I, and, you know, people remembering our names, but if somebody, you know, remembers how much God loves them and they start to seek the kingdom more then that's all the reward that we could ever ask for. So Absolutely. if you want to know more, if you want to, you know, kind of dive into this with us uh, and discover this with us, uh, you can reach out to us at info at the cosmic uh, We'd be happy to invite you into our daily devotions and, you know, just connect with you and, and encourage you and give to you what's been given freely to us. So, yeah. Thanks everybody. And uh, we will be back here again next week. Yes, be well.